I want to laugh at Arkansas. Oh, my gosh. Arkansas hired the one guy who they couldn't. There's literally anybody else. You could hire so many people with so many scandals. They could hire John Gruden, and I would have had nobody. I mean, everyone would have been like, ooh, that's weird. But, I mean, his beef wasn't. He didn't do anything on your watch. Uh, they hired the one guy who's – You could have hired Mel Tucker. They could have hired – yeah, they could have hired any of these people <laughs> with any scandals anywhere else and just been like, yeah, we can't speak on that. It wasn't here. Uh, you know, we just know the guy that we know and, and we think he's changed and da-da-da-da. They hired the one guy who's one scandal, which is still top three most hilarious scandals in the history of scandals. Uh, because of how the fallout and the press conference and the burn face and the neck brace and the terrible lying. Um, but they hired the one guy that they couldn't hire, the only dude, uh, and not even to be the coach, which is, again, people keep hiring this guy to be the offense coordinator. Now, I believe that they will let him be the o coordinator, but Bobby Petrino is coming on home, and if they were really, if they really wanted to lean into this, he should do his introduction. He should come in riding on a motorcycle with a student at the oh my gosh. an assistant on his on the on the back with of it. A blonde graduate assistant. Yes, with the, the with the GA on the back coming in the gym like Tubby Smith did when he ran that drove the motorcycle into the Kentucky game with the le- leather jacket on. Petrino should do that. That should be his introduction as OC. Um, oh god! It seems like they're just getting him in there to eventually make him the head coach because. Uh, Sam Pittman was everyone was shocked was not fired people seemed to like him uh, I heard there was a, a cheer there was cheering from the from the team when they kept him despite his Jekyll and Hyde ass team that would score 40 points one week and then three the next but I, I feel like he's just there to be the head coach when next year it doesn't go how they want it to go and they fire Sam Pittman and and bring him in uh, but I can't – I mean, this is one I can't believe. Like, I, I I, say I couldn't believe the Florida State decision, but I could because television. I can't believe Arkansas did this. And then we're like, we've done our vetting. He seems to be a good guy. We have found no previous episodes whatsoever that would lead us to believe otherwise. And I was like, wait, did this happen so long ago that literally everyone who worked at Louisville at the time has since moved on or died? And people just don't know because that's that would be comically perfect if it was like, wait, wait a minute. This guy, this guy's been in trouble before. It was here. Gentlemen, we're back. College football, SP and Ross's Untitled College Football Podcast. Um, championship week in the books. It's almost the games. We almost forgot, not we, but you would almost have forgotten that there were a set of games that were played last week because there's very little game breakdown, dissecting, commentary about the actual games themselves. Uh, after what happened on Sunday with the college football playoff committees 
uh, decision and the fallout and everything that happened from that. So we'll definitely get to that. We put out our reaction show uh, earlier in the week. So we reacted to that as it happened. So we're a little bit further removed from it now. And yeah, for the purposes for the purposes of the discussion today, I am going to be the I guess this could be the cynical side, but really just I'm gonna be the side of the 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 person who who has said consistently about this sport that it's a all television product and that this is all television and entertainment. And to just to always say that to remind people um that college football it's, it's basically wrestling it's unscripted wrestling in the sense that um like the committee selection who's better who deserves what has always been a subjective contest um and that now more than ever that what this is is television and television products and partnerships and ratings and uh, companies that are not going to, that are going to make decisions based off of that, basically. So what I'm going to do for the purposes of this discussion is be that, that guy, the guy who is in charge of TV dollars, networks, makes million dollar decisions. And essentially the people who, uh, the poll that you know who that committee serve the better interests of their schools their tv partners their corporate partners that's who this all benefits at the end of the day so i'm just gonna play what i would otherwise view as devil's advocate i'm just gonna get out in front of this now i don't i believe florida state should be allowed to play for championship i believe any undefeated power five school should have the right to play for championship so i'll just state that as my personal opinion but I'm going to just mostly today be from the viewpoint of the people who made these decisions, who are just trying to make a better television product in explaining how we arrived, where we arrived. So I want to go to you just to see where you're at now. We are a couple of days removed. We've heard arguments. We've heard sides of things. We've heard a lot of talk from a lot of people. We've read a lot of things. Where Where do you stand now a few days removed from all this? So I generally see some myself as someone who's a free thinker. And part of what that means for me is I'm open to have my mind changed, especially when presented with new information. So I'm definitely someone who tries to understand all sides, tries to read all all points of view, get all the information to make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. And I can say that I've spent the last couple of days just pouring over different arguments, listening to different shows, just to get a good sense of how the decision was made. And I can say authentically at this point that I have not heard anything that has made me feel like Florida State should not be a team playing for a national championship this year. Yeah. Like most of the most compelling arguments have been around what could hypothetically happen. But the whole point of this process is that they play games and we should evaluate what a team has already done up to this point. And for every team that would not have made it, we could say, oh, you should have done this. Alabama, you should have beat USF by more. You shouldn't have lost to Texas. Texas shouldn't have lost Oklahoma. We're going to say, we can't say anything other than we wish you 
didn't break your leg, Jordan Travis. Um, some of our dear point about television, some of the most memorable, most compelling sports moments across sports has been when underdogs come in and surprise people. That's why we played the game. And so for all of this talk about how Florida State looked and, you know, their yards per play against Louisville with the third string quarterback, like, all that's well and good. This is why we played the game. And I think Florida State being denied the opportunity to prove themselves after they proved themselves the entire year is wrong. Yeah, I the television standpoint for me would be less so about the actual result uh, of the game because we know prognosticating, uh, we just saw this weekend, Washington was nine and a half point dogs to Oregon after already beating them once, they beat them again. So prognosticating to an extent, it does have some value, but it also should always just be reminded or it should be a reminder that lines and what Vegas does is try to get 50-50 action. The number that they put out there is somewhat informed based on the two teams. Obviously, they want to have the result correct, but where a line falls and what that says is less about a team and more so about what the general betting public thinks about the two teams. Believes. So exactly. I, I do agree and I understand the argument that the matchups we've had in the past however many seasons – We've had what sometimes we would all say, yeah, I think those are the, the the four best teams or the committee got it right. Some of those years we say that. And then the first opening round matchups we talked about, average margin of victory is 19 points. And it didn't mean that the committee didn't get it right. It just means football is football, sports are sports, the games get played and things happen. So, yeah, there's obviously – the unscripted element of it all, the team that's not expected to win, the underdog, those stories, they definitely happen and they're definitely valuable. But if I am a TV head or let's just for the term, for the lack of this, for this discussion, I'll just say if I'm the powers that be, it's not, I, I can't, since I can't guarantee the on-field result, I'm going to go with the things I can guarantee I can guarantee that we have a partnership with the SEC that starts uh, in full next year. They're leaving at, at CBS. They're going to ESPN full time. These are the dirty conversations that a lot of people on ESPN wanted not to have. Joey Galloway was like very strongly like, oh, my, don't say that. Don't say the quiet parts out loud. But there was not going to be a world, again, powers that be, there's not going to be a world where there was no SEC team in my playoff. That that we're, we were not going to do that. Um, so, again, not what I think. This is what the powers that be think. There was going to be an SEC team in there. They used the final piece of the criteria, which was significant injury to players or coaches that would otherwise – uh, affect or alter the the you know how they feel about the team that last little criteria that has only been mentioned i guess when the the cardell jones ohio state year happened but they got a shot and i think that team wasn't even undefeated i think that team had already lost one time but i guess there yep. weren't enough undefeated teams but that just kind of makes it even worse to be like well the one time that you know two quarterbacks did go down it was a one-loss team. Granted, again, there wasn't. It wasn't the same situation with two undefeated teams or three undefeated teams, rather. But it's just like that. The irony of that kind of sucks. 
But there was going to be no world where there was not a SEC team in the playoff. So that was always going to happen. It's a it's a market driver. It's a business partnership. It's a brand in and of itself. And whether true or false, because we've talked about the perception versus the reality of what teams and conferences were this year, the perception when it comes to running a television network and the dollars is reality. I don't, it doesn't matter that people are wrong when they think the SEC is just a far superior conference if they're going to tune in because they think that. So I have to play off of the fact that I, it doesn't matter that people are wrong about that. They will tune in for the SEC championship at a higher rate than any of the other championships. They will watch Alabama more than they will watch any of these other teams. And so that, from that standpoint, not even just what the ratings are going to be and how the game's going to go, brand awareness standpoint, Bama, Nick Saban, ESPN, SEC partnership, notable brand storyline, that was going to happen like that. And that that is the part that sucks because it's almost telling Florida State you didn't even it didn't matter what you did. You you didn't have to play in the in your ACC championship game. No, the result of that game almost was insignificant because they had already predetermined the winner of Alabama, Georgia was going to take one of those spots. And that if Texas, you know, won their game by having a win over Bama, they weren't going to get left out. So it seemed like they had already made that decision. <laughs> Um, which again, from a competition standpoint, and what I personally believe, it's it's wrong for for the games to not have more like matter most, and then the other things matter. But um, that that is just the television side of this. They were never not going to have an SEC team in here, and that's we can argue about whether you know how that should shake out. But that was just always going to be the case. The other thing that I don't think the committee considered is that same team we saw against Louisville, which, by the way, won and shut down a top 10 offense. They were going to have their backup back in three weeks by the time they played their bowl game, mm-hmm. or at least the first bowl game. And so he had his first showing against another rivalry team, Florida, with what, a week? A week of preparation? For that game. So he's healthy. He has more time to game plan. I think he'll be a better quarterback. I'm talking about the backup now in this next game that's a part of the playoff. You cannot convince me the way that Florida State plays defense and the way Florida State runs the ball that they would not be competitive against one of those teams, especially if we're talking about a Michigan team who, if they can't score, watch out. Or a Washington team, that they can't stop the run, watch out. So to me, it's not a runaway that get blown out of those games either. And again, that's why we play the game. So I would have still wanted to see that. And again, I'm somewhat biased as a Florida State fan. Mm-hmm. You have to account for that. Yeah, I I, I mean, I that is the, the game element of this all. And we talked about it, how if if they are essentially saying Florida State is, is half is only half of a unit defensively there of a championship level, but offensively without Jordan Travis, they're not. We talked about, well, how come other teams like it, it doesn't seem to matter if only one side of the ball is really dominant and the other is a little bit shaky. Um, Yeah. Where they picked and chose to apply that. I think again, the problem 
the the easiest way to defend the committee's decision oh if it's just if you're strictly just doing the florida versus alabama thing um is if they were just asking themselves the very question of florida state with their second string quarterback versus michigan or alabama as they currently are constructed versus michigan and yes this is the part that drives people crazy but this is the television show of it all which do we think will be a better matchup? I understand that part drives people crazy because now it's hypothetical world. But right. again, right. when you un- but it's a television show. So when you understand that, and I, that part might be the thing that like some people can never get over, but it's the reality. And so I, you know, I just live in the reality. I'm not here to say one or the other. I'm just I live in the reality. And the reality is that the college football playoff has and will always be college football is a sport. It is a television show. It's a television product. Um, it has always been designed so that there is no fair determinant in as there are in other sports of there's a field of 64 or the best six teams get in versus by record or the what there is just no it is not that it is more wrestling where there are just federations and regions all over the place and a couple of the more famous people meet for belts every now and again they hold the belt for a while and then we do it again next year and i I, there is merit and all that it's it, it is a weird amalgamation of merit and television and brand and it's a whole bunch of stuff but the television side of this is such that, yes, it's going to be what they think. And it's going to also be, again, I can't determine the field, you know, the results on the field. We don't know. We think this, we think that, but they don't know, which is why I say they have to go with what they know. Alabama brand stronger than Florida State brand. Like that is the tougher pill for people to swallow. But it's why Ohio State is ranked seven still. It's why Notre Dame will never not be ranked. It's why certain. It's why Penn State's top ten team all the time. It's just there are certain things that are going to happen because we're not going to make decisions in this business. It's a business that are less money making than others. If that's what they perceive, they could be wrong. They're wrong about a lot of stuff. But if how they arrive at being wrong is based on we're going to pick the stronger brand. We're going to pick the team that draws more eyeballs. That That's the logic that you can't argue with. You can argue with all of their other logic, but you can't argue with Alabama brand stronger. Like they got the perfect four for television. We are in Texas. We're in Bama. Okay, we're West Coast of Washington. We're the big national brand, Michigan. It's regionally perfect. It's brand perfect. Like, I, it's a television dream in that sense. And there, they were more willing to hear from people making the arguments on behalf of Florida State than they were having to hear about, oh, but this is going to be a mad ma- bad matchup. They're going to have to listen to a month and a half of how bad the Florida State matchup was going to be. And again, we don't know what results are, but that's what it was going to have to be. They were going to have to listen to how bad it was going to be for a month and a half. So they just chose to avoid that. Yeah. And it's cowardice, that's, but it is what that's what they that's what they did. And if that's the case, then Florida State should have been ranked at seven or eight. 
Yeah, coming in. Once Jordan Travis went down. Once Jordan Travis went down, they gave them. But my 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 defense for that was they gave them two games to see. All right, can we give you the Cardell Jones treatment? Cardell Jones comes in, they score 55 points. Granted, Wisconsin is not Louisville. The Wisconsin of that team that the the Ohio State did that against, that whack, you know, Big Ten West or Legends Division, whatever it was back then, that side of that bracket's always terrible. It is not equivalent to a Louisville team who at that time was a – I mean, they're still top 15 team. Like, the polls still love Louisville despite the three losses – the Kentucky loss I thought would knock them back further. It didn't. So this Louisville team was not that Wisconsin team. So, you know, not beating them 55 to seven or whatever. I get it. Having a little concern about their offense. Sure. Totally understandable. Um, I can make a case that the last five games I've watched Michigan, uh, Washington play. I've had concerns about their defense uh, every game, every game, like this defense is playing with fire. This defense, eventually someone's going to get them. Uh, but they keep winning the games. And it's their offense that keeps winning them the games. And we don't, you know, I, I don't think any less of them for it. They're just a complete team. I know where their weaknesses are, but they got there. So, again, my stance, yeah, Florida State's in. I would say Alabama doesn't get in. They lost to Texas. It would have been a pretty simple one for me. Um, again, we talked about not to redo this whole thing, but like Georgia, all of a sudden going from one to six is that make that one make sense. All of a sudden, not only they're not one of the four best teams, but they're not five. Um, so there's just a lot of, of the inconsistency there. Um, but that's, this feels like Florida's going to be left out no matter what. That's what I'm saying. It seemed like once the last week it didn't, it didn't, well, I mean, here's, here's, Here's maybe how they put te- they, I mean they would have put Texas in over Florida State. Texas did. Texas was gonna go. Yeah, I was like Texas was gonna go. I think once Alabama. So here's where I think Florida State gets in. Georgia wins, um, and Florida State scores you know fifty five to to three on Louisville. I think you go Georgia, Florida State, and they leave both Texas and Alabama out. But again, if they're just doing the television thing, you know, I, I that is why I think the way the game went against Louisville, I spoke on this before it even happened, just because I, I understand television. The style points were going to matter. I wasn't, I didn't say they should, but this is why I knew that they would, because any reason to say they're not the same team that accomplished those 12 wins, those 11 and a half wins, that was a different team. The team we have watched the last two weeks is this other team, which I said on this, and we'll move on from this just to not be repetitive. Guys, go check out our reaction show. But I said that we just need to not do rankings throughout the year. I know that would mean less uh, television reviews and shows and ways to sell this, but just don't do rankings throughout the year. And at the end of the year, much like NCAA basketball, Selection Sunday, We'll just turn on the TV and see who the poll says here are the four. We we won't need to have thought that we knew what could happen based on that's the problem. People do the whole like, okay, well, they're like Florida State's at four. So if they they don't lose, like who would would these teams jump them and like Texas Bam, like we do the whole based on what they're showing us, but what it, we now should everyone realize is all those other rankings don't mean anything. It's just television. It's American Idol, early auditions. Those people don't matter. 
when we get to the actual who wins the thing is just on this Sunday. So just tune in then because that's all they're really going to do is say, all right, today, Sunday, December 4th or 3rd, whatever it was, here's who we think the four best teams are. And if we're going to do that, like, like I said, I have different arguments and questions about how is Michigan the best how are they one of the four? How is Georgia not one of the four? I just have all types of questions. How how is Florida State still better than all these other teams, but not good enough? You know, not not better than a a team like you know, it, it's you could play these games all day. But what I do know yeah. is they just want good television product. They're going to make the the inner the educated guesses that they believe will lead to the best uh, entertainment product. And if they're wrong about the game, and so the ratings aren't as good because the game's not close, they at least want to be able to bank on people tuned in because it was Nick Saban or Alabama or Georgia or like, you know, and that's, I'm not, we can debate how the, the television uh, money controlling all this impacts the sport itself. That's, I feel like a whole longer discussion. But that's just what we that's what we witnessed. And everyone should just understand, yeah, the casualty of it was a team that did everything they were supposed to do. And we're told that if you do, you will be allowed a shot. And they did that and they weren't. Yeah, I know we gotta move on. I think the point you made is a good one about that ranking. But then part of what that would prevent is what we're talking about now, which is goalposts moving and selective application of standards. So even with what you just Positive, right? If we're going to say Florida State's not the same team that they were in the season, well, then who is? Mm-hmm. Do folks really think that Texas would beat Alabama by 10 points at home today? Right. Yeah. Because it's a... so great, then it works out. But you can't just apply that to one team and say, oh, they're not the same team. Because then we have to contextualize all these wins and losses. And again, you can't do that with Florida State because they haven't lost. Yeah. I, I think that for me, the conversations about other stuff that we consider starts when you're talking about a team with a loss. That's kind of always been how I've looked at this because it's so hard, straight to schedule, wins aren't all the same, losses aren't all the same, home team, away team, uh, conference, strength, all that stuff. It's so, it's so, it's never, very rarely is it apples to apples. So what I thought that we all agreed on was, the Power Five, these are the five conferences that maybe one given year or another given year, they're up, they're down, but they're all on a playing field that we agreed upon that uh-huh. they are the same in this same group called Power Five and that a winner, obviously the playoff was only four teams, so if all five went undefeated, this would inevitably was going to happen. But a winner from that conference with no losses – that was an equal to a winner of one of the other power five conferences with no losses. If you were talking it's an automatic about automatic bid using it, basketball language. Yeah, like for yes. Automatic exactly. bid, no question. The way asked. the way that they have in the tournament, if you win your conference tournament, regardless of what happened throughout the season in basketball, that is an automatic bid to the tournament. Where you get seated, that's not automatic. You couldn't, you know, that is all determined based on other things, but you're in no matter what. So, yeah, in football, I thought the equivalent of that was if you are an unbeaten Power Five conference team 
who wins your conference championship, that you were going to be one of the four. It was just a matter of where. I would like if they were seated four over a one loss Texas or one loss Bama or one loss Georgia or whatever the case, right? I wouldn't like that would I wouldn't say the the undefeated team should be ranked higher because I would I would understand still, okay, like they're in, but here's why we rated this other team above them. Cool. They might have a harder road to travel mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. no one would say you can't, you know, no knock. You're getting your shot, right? If you're undefeated, you think you're the best, we'll let you go prove it. So this was the first time that we all learned, nope, that's not. And again, it's the first time and the last time because we're moving to 12. This will never happen again. And I I, I think that this is the what the, the committee wanted as a final send off for them to matter was to make a controversial look y'all we're gonna make the tough decision here's you guys don't want just automatic bids do you you want the four best teams and you know that it just we weren't all aware that's what we were doing until it happened so we'll move on i'm sure we'll it was talk- inherently gonna work with five power conferences in four spots this right. gonna happen there was always work. this was always gonna happen it's just wild it happened on the last year um but We'll uh well I'm sure we'll get back to it at some point because we'll have games to talk about. Um quick other headlines. Arkansas. I want to laugh at Arkansas. Oh my gosh. Arkansas hired the one guy who they couldn't there's literally anybody else. You could hire so many people with so many scandals. They could hire John Gruden and I would have had nobody. I mean, everyone would have been like, ooh, that's weird, but I mean, his beef wasn't – he didn't do anything on your watch. Uh, they hired the one guy who's – You could have hired Mel Tucker. They could have hired – yeah, they could have hired any of these people <laughs> with any scandals anywhere else and just been like, yeah, we can't speak on that. It wasn't here. Uh, you know, we just know the guy that we know and, and we think he's changed and da-da-da-da. They hired the one guy who's one scandal, which is still top three most hilarious scandals in the history of scandals. Uh, because of how the fallout and the press conference and the burn face and the neck brace and the terrible lying. Um, but they hired the one guy that they couldn't hire, the only dude, uh, and not even to be the coach, which is, again, people keep hiring this guy to be the offense coordinator. Now, I believe that they will let him be the o coordinator, but Bobby Petrino is coming on home. And if they were really, if they really wanted to lean into this, he should do his introduction. He should come in riding on a motorcycle with a student at the oh audience, my gosh. an assistant on his on the on the back with of a it. A blonde graduate assistant. Yes, yeah, so with, with the GA on the back coming in the gym like Tubby Smith did when he ran that drove the motorcycle into the Kentucky game with the le- leather jacket on. Petrino should do that. That should be his introduction as OC. Um, oh god! It seems like they're just getting him in there to eventually make him the head coach because. Uh, Sam Pittman was everyone was shocked was not fired. People seemed to like him. Uh, I heard there was a, a cheer. There was cheering from the from the team when they kept him, despite his Jekyll and Hyde ass team that would score forty points one week and then three the next. But I, I feel like he's just there to be the head coach when next year it doesn't go how they want it to go and they fire Sam Pittman and and bring him in. Uh, but I can't, I mean, this is one I can't believe. Like, I, I, 
I say I couldn't believe the Florida State decision, but I could because television. I can't believe Arkansas did this. And then we're like, we've done our vetting. He seems to be a good guy. We have found no previous episodes whatsoever that would lead us to believe otherwise. And I was like, wait, did this happen so long ago that literally everyone who worked at Louisville at the time has since moved on or died? And people just don't know because that's that would be comically perfect if it was like, wait, wait a minute. This guy, this guy's been in trouble before. It was here. Like it's a different generation or something. I they didn't they they must not have known like fax machines because that was the, the fax machines were popping back then because that was around then he faxes a letter of resignation to the Falcons around that same time. So yeah, this man, um, no no stranger to scandal, and but like I said, we we know what he's good at. He calls an offense like no one's business. He just can't call it here. It's just the one place he should not be allowed to call the offense. And there's no- not there are there are such a surplus of offensive minds in the college game. Like there are so many other folks you could have invested in. Like he he's arguably the person that's caused your school the most scandal the past what 20, 30 years. Yeah. It's just mind boggling to me that you would bring him back to help rehabilitate him after all this time. Crazy. It's a big job. Crazy. Um, yeah, it's the it's the retread of college football that we talk about. It's how the pipelines have the same people in them. It's why people don't go to new places or new, you know, new schools, new candidates too often to find new, inspired, younger, different, more diverse minds and thinkers and coaches. Because when these jobs open or when they're looking like how do we get a better offense? What do we do? What moves can we make? They just go to what they know. Like, oh, that Bobby Petrino run was fun until it ended in disaster. Let's go back to that. And maybe we'll just have the fun minus the disaster of it all, um, which they probably will. Probably won't disappear in scandal again. But yeah, to your point, there are many other people who you can give these opportunities to. And just time and time again, they choose not to. All the schools choose not to. Too far, too, far too often. I mean, maybe he's maybe he's learned. I mean, there was the Arkansas game was a big scandal, but before that, the big issue with him was the opportunism. Yeah, him publicly expressing confidence in his team and his organization, and saying he's going to stay while behind their backs, interviewing for other jobs, flying places on secret private jets. So that was even before Arkansas. Like that was his mo. Yep, and so he he didn't get to Arkansas even. Yeah, so, and Atlanta. Granted, that was because Michael and Atlanta Vick, and Michael Vick, Michael Vick was fighting dogs. That's the one time we were like, okay, I see where you're coming from there, Bobby. But the other times is all on him. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So that's bad, that's fine. Bad look. I mean, don't don't plan to have him for long. Yep. Bad. It's a bad look. He he will definitely. I mean, got to went to Texas A and M. Jimbo wouldn't let him do nothing. So now he's going over to Arkansas. But I would imagine, yeah, he's once he gets an opportunity to go elsewhere, he will. Um, he'll be back as a head coach before we know it, it seems. On this trajectory, it seems like he's trending toward head coach again. Um, and yeah. Another reminder that if you win football games, that's all that really matters. <laughs> no, that, yep. It's showing again and again. 
Um, all right, next we got Portal. Portal Day. Portal's open. Dion. 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 Um, Dion. This. Uh, tell me. I mean, is this just me? I. This screams desperation to me at this point. Uh, it. 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 He is less recruiting and is more like posting his profile on a dating app, which I suppose you could equate some of the similarities in the courtship and recruitment, which is why I think the whole recruiting, just recruiting 17, 16 years, it's just so it's weird in general. But, and the transfer portal, a little bit different. You're talking about older, maybe more developed people at this point. But I feel like this approach from Dion is not working. I don't feel that. It's currently not working. We will see... What it's very early on in the process, but it is early indications are that the wave of talent that just wants to come play for Dion is not happening like maybe we all thought it would happen, or at least some people thought it would happen. And I'm, I'm just wondering again i'm just wondering like how this is gonna go next year the year after that um if if he if, if dion comes to find wow this recruiting thing is hard it's really hard especially at colorado even for me um i just wonder what this is all gonna kind of look like and early indications are is 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 this like here's what I'm wondering? Is was this a thing that was like hot for a little bit and then once the steam of it cools off, it's like, okay, what's what 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 do we really um you know what what do I really want as a player, as a four star, as a three, whatever? Um, what is going to Colorado get me versus what am I looking for at some of these other places? Like what is the advantage of a Colorado playing with Dion and those types of things? Like, are we, is it fair to ask, like, what is, what's the pitch now? If it isn't just like we're on social media and I'm Dion, like what's the pitch beyond that? Oh, I think, I think this is being way overthought. My hot take for today is Dion's about to leave and maybe not this year, but he's on his way out That's because how else do you explain how little effort he's putting into any kind of recruiting strategy. Like, they're literally not trying. Like, if you're really invested in recruiting, you'd be building a relationship with coaches, you'd be driving a pipeline, you'd be on the road, visiting schools. He's doing none of the above. Here's the – I only – the visiting schools part, I like, I only want to ask, is his mobility an issue in that sense? But it's like, it can't be that much of a – like, I know it's tough for him to move – tougher for him to move around – but he's at Cowboys games, which I know he lives in Dallas. But he's at these Bro, other places. He's not visiting schools. He does he's these other places. <laughs> yeah, he won't. He like he doesn't go. To, he won't. He doesn't go to school. He hasn't gone to schools yet. And I'm just. Uh, my fear is, does he think it's just like he just has to be like I'm Dion and I'm at Colorado and all because he did it with Jordan Travis. I mean with uh, Travis Hunter, um, and his son doesn't count because that's his son. Because he did it with with Hunter, does he think that just like all the top recruits are gonna be like, "Yo, I want to go play with Dion"? That's crazy. 
because my whole thing and look you know i don't think it's a hot take to say he's not gonna be there long i said i don't think he's gonna be there longer than three years when he started we're going into year two and he's already like i don't want to say checked out because he's obviously he's selling you next year and saying what we're gonna do where we're gonna be and uh portal's open i'm in the portal um, this is not even no, no all jokes aside in his personal life. I think him and his girlfriend are splitting up. So like he's going to, he's got the personal life side of thing that's now happening. Um, like I just, I'm, I wanted, I, I was very quick to be like, he'll get some, some skill players. He'll get some receivers and D backs and like, he'll get some of those guys, but I wasn't sure about building nope. a line. I wasn't sure about the sustainability. He's not getting anything. He's not, none not of these anything. things are happening. People are leaving other than his son and, and Travis Hunter, who is as close to his son as it could be without being his son, other than people who are like family, uh, the, the, the people are leaving. His response is, you know, without being mean, because he, he's literally saying, I can't say what I want to say as a coach. But like you saw a record last year. Do you think I should be sad about all these people decommitting or leaving or whatever? And I'm like, oh, he doesn't get it. it he doesn't not, get it. Uh, he doesn't get the game that he's in. And it's not, he gets football. He gets, I bet you he gets coaching. I get you he gets football. He gets molding young men. But I'm like, you know what? He, he doesn't get this recruiting thing. He doesn't understand that you, no matter how much you might not like it, if if Nick Saban could do it, if these other coaches could do it, you have to placate to the fragile ego egos of teenagers, and that's what recruiting is. Like that's what this game is, and he has. I, I like that he's straight up, but at every turn he keeps showing you that he doesn't get the game that he's in, and or he thinks that he doesn't have to play it like these other coaches because he's changed college football and or he's changed certain things because of how his personality is. But I think he maybe thinks he's changed the game more than he has and that he doesn't have to be out there recruiting. And no, sir, you ABC, man, always be recruiting. It's the number one rule of a college coach. Oh, oh. And Dion ain't doing it. Yeah, he's moving like – there's like rules that don't apply to him and not like rules, compliance rules, but rules of how recruiting works. Um, and here's the thing. He has seems like amazing relationships with uh, his son, but also with Travis Hunter, who, like you said, is not, not his blood, but recruiting is about strategy and about scale. And so if Everyone you recruit, you have to have a father-son relationship with. Like, you can't sustain that. Like, that doesn't work for building a roster. Right. So, like, this this intimacy, this one-on-one -on -one stuff is great. But, like, you can't build a team that way. And so if he thinks he can just go off of his name and build some, like, really deep relationships with a few folks, that's going to take care of it. It's not. And so he's going to have to do the grunt work with everybody else. Because if the best, like you said, if the best recruiters in the game aren't doing that, then why do you think that you can't? Yeah, I think, again, it might be the exceptionalism that he believes as Dion, he can do things. And uh, you, you would understand why Dion Sanders is led to believe he can do things differently that other I... people can't. This is the man who showed up to the combine, did not stretch, did not do anything, ran the fastest 40, left, said you don't need to see anything else, wasn't taking classes, 
played baseball and football on the same day, won at both. Like you could under gotten to coaching, had success relatively easily. His kids are really good. You definitely see how you arrive at that point, but also you do have to, you know, be open to the fact of, oh, I need to learn this the same way I I, I needed to learn baseball or I needed to learn and dedicate. Like I need to 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 really grind at this recruiting thing. Or you need the big staffs that do that for you, to your point, scale. You're not going to have those relationships with everyone on the team. Uh, that's why the, these director, player personnel people are important. These recruiting people, assistant coaches who build relationships with players. The bigger that staff is and there are people whose job, you know, who just m- make, maintain and form good relationships with your players on the team, right? Staffers. People like Connor the Stallions who in other programs aren't doing the illegal filming shit, but are like the go-to or the in-between between the coaches and the players or the, the, the ADs and these players. Um, like those he's losing pro- staff too. Yeah, he's losing. That. That's what I'm saying. Like staff, like you need, it's not, it can't just be Operation Dion. Um, so if he's not staying there, like the Houston job already filled, like some of these other jobs for this cycle already filled. Um, if he's not staying there, and, and I don't know, like, you know, which one of these jobs opens up if he's trying to move up or whatever that he sees himself going to. But, um, yeah, it, it's just it's going to be you have to you have to adjust your strategy. I don't know if just hopping in the portal purely. Obviously, you have to work the portal. But just if your goal is just I'm in the portal, anyone who's in the portal, come to Colorado which just seems to be the pit like that is not a sustainable way to build anything. Uh, You might get some better players than you previously have, but it doesn't mean that you're building something. It doesn't mean it's maintainable. Um, So just, it's keep an eye on Dion. I want to move on just so we can hit some other, other things, but Dion. Can I say um, one more thing on this? Yes, please. I think this works when you're Penny Hardaway, but like, our parents watch Dion play. Mm-hmm. Like they're peers more or less. Yeah. We were in what middle school when Dion was like at the end of his playing career. Yeah, Maybe Dion. Yeah, I watched Dion like definitely was Early aware of him. What was aware of that the 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 last cowboy team he was on. But then when he was at you know, I remember him on Washington and Baltimore kind of at the end of his run. So yeah. We weren't around for the the Atlanta, yeah, you know, Atlanta 49er kind yeah. of shows. Yeah. So people know Dion's name, but like these kids who are recruits now were born after 2000. They didn't watch Dion play. Right. And increasingly their parents didn't watch Dion play either. So as this goes on, like you're not really a contemporary anymore. You're becoming an elder. Mm-hmm. And so this whole like I'm Dion Sanders, I don't think that's gonna work anymore either, because it's really not working now, to be honest. So that's the other piece here, and I and I was I thought about this because I was reading um, a great article in the Athletic the other day about Damon Sotomayor at Georgia Tech, and I think it's similar with him. Like Damon Sotomayor, I remember Damon Sotomayor vividly. Yeah, but like kids who are born in the 2000s, they don't know nothing about Damon Sotomayor. He was yep. retired by the time that they became old enough to watch basketball. So then that's going to come into play too. Yeah, that's a good call. I think the the big pitch before probably for the last four years, Dion were the parents. Uh, because he's our parents' age, like he is, yeah, he's he embodies 
cool and swag and all these things but then you stop and look you're like wait a minute he's 60 years old or he's about to be like he's closer to 60 you know than than 50 i'm pretty sure um but yeah this it, it, it bears monitoring the dion situation how long where he goes next the whole thing um did he just bring colorado a bunch of money and then and then does he just leave them and they got to figure it out from there i don't know but it'll be fun uh, speaking of which, good segue. Pac-12 mascots just having a party at the championship game out in Vegas was great. The last time they'll all be together, the last Pac-12 game. Um, I saw a comment. Finish strong. Finish I saw, strong. Yeah, I saw a comment. Great game, great game of the weekend. I saw a comment on Twitter that was like those mascots, the picture. It was like a high school group of high school seniors who are all going off to a different school next year and, and won't won't all be together again <laughs> the same way. Um so that was just cool. Um, all right. I got a I got a riddle for you. What do these are all soccer teams, keep in mind, but what do Burnley, Arsenal, Brentford, Everton, Newcastle, Giorena, Valencia, Atletico, Real Madrid, Asuna, Real Sociedad, Gion uh sorry, Genoia, G- Genoia, Empoli, this is Italian league, Lazio, and Milan. And Francino, or Fran, Francinani, Fran, Francinani, yeah, woof, tough. What do, oh, there's a couple more too. I'm sorry, RB Leipzig was in there. Wolfsburg, Bakum, Stuttgart, that's in, that's in Germany. And then Columbus and LAFC. What do all of those soccer teams have in common? Ooh, I have no idea. Okay, those soccer teams, those are all teams that on Saturday scored more points than Iowa's football team. <laughs> soccer sometimes, as you know, low-scoring sport. Sometimes a team might not even score a goal. Uh, you know, 2-1, 1-0. These are low-scoring. Sometimes you'll get more goals than that, but it can be a lower-scoring game. But on that Saturday... All of those teams that I just listed, sorry for butchering some of the Italian ones. Uh, I, I I hear these teams more than I try to look at them and phonetically read them. But uh, they all scored more goals than Iowa's football team, who, of course, scored zero. The easiest and most fun money I made all weekend was Iowa team total touchdowns for the game, 0.5. I went under. I heard a bunch of people talk about go over there. Something could happen. Block, kick, punt, return, pick six, fumble, recovery. Something fluky could happen, and they just might score a touchdown. And I was like, I don't, I don't think you guys understand. Uh, clearly, you're late to the party. You're just showing up for the Big Ten championship. Iowa's goal for this game is actually to punt as much as possible because they know that the best chance of them winning the game is if Michigan has the ball. So it was the easiest money I've made. Point five, and it's insane. Point five. Basically, will this team score a touchdown? No, they won't. Was the easiest bet of the weekend. So get Iowa out of out of my life forever. I don't know how they're going to do these divisions next year with with the the, the Pac twelve teams coming in. But for the love of God, please set it up so that Iowa has to actually play you know, teams that score points and that they won't be in championship games anymore because this is just ridiculous and it has to stop. They're going to have a, like a Ohio State, 
USC Washington stretch. Yeah. And I watch. Yeah. Like just pl- make them go through yeah. that, please. Just so it's like, oh, their defense isn't awesome. They might be good, but they're not. We could just hold every team to 14 points. It's just that they do that to the Big t- you know, Big Ten West and most of the Big Ten East that isn't Michigan and Ohio State. Can't wait for for that. So Iowa, it was it was it was nice while it lasted. Betting the under all year. If you put a hundred dollars on the Iowa uh, over, starting I think in week two of this season, you would have made something like twenty three hundred dollars. So, you know, I haven't been betting a hundred every week, but I bet on their under every week. It's money in the bank every week. Heisman, they got it right. They got finally after this whole season of talking, they got the four people that I've been saying that we've been saying all year to New York, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison Jr. That's those are the only four that should be there. Jaden Daniels is a heavy, heavy favorite. Um, apparently, people don't like that he's going to win it. They think he's just hollow stats because his team didn't win. And he was just putting up numbers and games that didn't matter. I couldn't. Uh, dis- I couldn't. I couldn't disagree more. And I was like, I, it's okay if you don't watch their games or if you don't watch college football. I'll just say that. But um, I couldn't disagree more. It's no different to me than the Tim Tebow year. They weren't national champion level. Lamar Jackson and Louisville. I don't remember after that first game they lost to Clemson. I don't remember any of their games mattering after that. But it didn't matter. Um, Johnny Manziel and that team didn't even win the SEC West, let alone play for anything beyond that. But that's not what those seasons were about. They were about incredible individual play at a position for an award. That's what Jaden Daniels has done. So that's why he deserves the award. Pretty simple there. Um, Kings of Florida and Virginia. FSU, you are the Kings of Florida, but you don't get to play for a national championship. I'm sorry. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how that works, but that's that's how that one worked out. Kings of Virginia are Liberty. They finished undefeated. Um, I did call that one early in the season, not that their schedule was grueling, but going undefeated is undefeated. Uh, they're going to play Oregon in the whatever bowl. I don't have it in front of me, but they're 14 and a half point dogs. I'll take those points. I'm not going to sit there and root for Oregon to just grind Liberty into dust like is very willing and possible to happen. I would like to see Liberty give us a show there on New Year's. And people weren't happy with them in the New Year's Six, said their schedule was too easy. Wanted to see an SMU or uh, Miami of Ohio there. Um, Like, uh, fair enough. I just feel like, again, what are we doing with these undefeated teams? Like, why why can't an undefeated team just get a shot at something? I I don't. Uh, why are we so against letting this was the year of like, I don't think that undefeated team deserves stuff. It's just a weird, weird hill for people to die on this year. But there was a lot of complaining that that shouldn't be Liberty. It should be a, a an SMU or um, even though or any other team with or, or any other team. <laughs> I was like all these other arguments. I'm like, just say you don't want to see Liberty play Oregon, but also when the game is mildly entertaining just it, it's okay you can also say wow i didn't know liberty was an entertaining football team because i didn't watch them this year you could just you could just say that um all right how much time do you have to go through the games quick you know they're just the championship ones i'll wait for other meeting to start so as long all as right. i can okay uh 12 o'clock we had the 
American Championship, New Mexico at Liberty, at the aforementioned Liberty. Um, that was a John Wick blood game, just shoot out back and forth. No defense, no no one stop anyone, just John Wick style. Shoot them close range, very proximity, game. very fun, back and forth. Caden Salter, one of the more fun players in the whole sport. Um, he was like 480 yards of offense, three touchdowns, mobile passer. Uh, they're a very fun offense. They cover spreads all year. They did it again. Um, that was one of the best scenes, too, afterwards. That that I know it's a weird school. I know Liberty and Jerry Falwell Jr. and all that stuff. It's a weird school. But them flooding the field for the championship, great scene. Happy for that team. Celebration of the year, Caden Salter and his receiver did a six paces and draw shootout. And the ref literally walked in between it to like break it up. And they just shot out the, like just, they just shot the ref from dueling sides. And I was like, Oh ref, no, no. He's like, stop, don't, don't. And they just shot him out. Boom, boom, boom. So they knew it was a John Wick game. That was my favorite moment of the weekend. Uh, Pac-12 championship does it again. The rematch uh, as dope as the first time. Again, a game decided by three points. Washington, you called that one. I definitely thought Oregon would win. You can see why with every time they play, why you could think either team could win. They're very evenly matched teams. Um, but Michael Penix, Roman Duze, they're just a little bit better than Bo Nix and, and those group of receivers for Oregon. So Washington gets it done again. That was a color pop. Nominee, I gave it to another game for the color pop, but those beautiful, all purple, all white with the green, great look. Um, but Michael Penix should finish second in the Heisman. Now, I think he replaces Bo Nix. He should give the trophy to Jaden Daniels from second place. Um, I think that matchup was going to determine that. So you good with Penix in second, Bo Nix third, Harrison fourth? So we talked about... I think the last thing we talked about, just full disclosure, y'all, we took a little break. I think the last thing we were going, we went through games. Um, so we were talking, I think we just finished the Pac-12 joint. So again, great, another great game, another close game between those two, Oregon, Washington, um, and how I think Michael Penix, I think the winner of that game, assuming both quarterbacks performed well, I think the winner of that is your second place Heisman finisher because I I firmly believe they will give it to Jaden Daniels. Um, and so I think, yeah, Michael Penix is probably going to be the runner-up. Bo Nix third, Marvin Harrison Jr. fourth. Um, but, yeah, good another, another good game between those two. Another three-point uh, loss for Oregon, who, for all of the inconsistencies with the polls, they have been fairly consistent with Oregon. Right, they've kept them high all year, even after the one Washington loss, and then the second one didn't drop them down too low. They went from what I think five to eight. So, I guess they respect Oregon, which is which is they they get they get some things right, and I think still Oregon being one of the ten best teams is obvious. I would like to see them, like we said, they're playing Liberty. I would have loved to see them have to play a Georgia, Ohio State, or. Uh, Florida, you know, even a Florida State, just to see kind of stylistically what those matchups look like. But um, Liberty, Oregon, we'll we'll see how that one looks. 
I'm curious to see too how much the opponents are going to dictate who opts out. Yeah, there's a lot we didn't talk about when we were talking about Florida State, but the the ramifications of them not making the playoff had a domino effect for a bunch of ACC schools and bowl games and conference and and you know these bowls that have affiliations with certain conferences and. There are certain stipulations about like there can't be rematches or can't be, uh, you know, there's just like there are parameters under who can play in which bowls and which conferences are affiliated with which. And a lot of the directors of these bowls, like it, it, it affected 20 other teams because of, yeah. you know, Florida State essentially moving out of that four it just kind of bumps everyone down. And so there were a bunch of directors who like were assuming who they would send their invitations to that had to alter their plans because the Florida state thing kind of had a domino effect. So there will be some interesting matchups and some interesting fallout that I was reading about that. And it just kind of further, there's another just L for the ACC in terms of this, them not making the playoff already kind of, feels like a shot at the conference. Um, and now furthermore, just sort of the, I don't want to say disorganization, but the 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 rest of the ACC not being prepared to, you know, campaign for certain bowls or like it just, it was, it was a, a shock for everyone. And so there's going to be some interesting bowl matchups or teams playing in interesting places now because of this. Um, including Notre Dame. What did Notre Dame go to the Sun Bowl? Um, like that was a, as a result of all of this craziness. So, yeah, it was a lot of dominoes still falling from from that decision there. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about the money too and stuff. So just like you see the impact that this stuff has. Uh, all right, Big 12 championship game. This one was the, one of the first um, – those – games we talked about before that was the friday slate so saturday kicked off high noon with texas whooping ass um against oklahoma state never never was close never was in doubt i feel like we 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 said this or you you said this like texas was there were there were assignments this weekend texas understood what their assignment was which is win and win big and it would leave the committee with a tough decision they did that um and I think I think by the time it was three thirty, Texas was in. I think we I think the word was kind of at that point it was gonna come down to Georgia, Bama. Honestly, at that point it was gonna come down between Georgia and, and Bama. I think the committee had made their decision already, like we said, that it didn't matter what Florida State did in the championship game. They were going with the winner of Georgia, Florida, especially once Texas did what they did. Yeah, I don't see any other way to interpret it. But, yeah, Texas did what they were supposed to do to close out the season. Um, you know, they beat a three-win or three-loss Oklahoma State team that have some really, really bad losses on their resume as well. But, you know, they they were ranked and they won. So they have a, they have a ring. Yeah, they and I think it was at that point that if we were talking the four, if, if, if I were just saying who were the four best teams, it would be hard to say Texas wasn't one of them at that point, right? They had lost once to a, a good Oklahoma team, right? It sounded like Oklahoma's bad. Close game, rivalry game, neutral site. They lost that one game. 
They had probably the most impressive win on the board at Alabama double digits. I just felt like after that game, whether the committee was going to do deserving or best team, Texas was going to have that checked off. Like whichever way the committee wanted to go, you know, they had the Bama win. They had their championship. Um, I, I think Texas was the safest team because of that. Especially the head-to-head Bama win, I think, was the thing for me that I was like, they're not going to leave them out. So, like yeah. I said, Texas did what they what they needed to do. And on the, on the flip side, I think in normal years, you also wouldn't have a team that lost by double digits at home to be in the contention either. But yeah, Alabama, Alabama. Yeah, and it was the non-conference element of it all, which really, like, usually, yeah, if Alabama gets the one loss uh, prior to the SEC championship, typically it's an in-conference loss because they haven't been beaten by not a conference team in quite some time, I, I think. Um, so, yeah, that was that was big, big implications in that one. Not really the most fun game, but it showed, like, you know, Texas, I think it showed – if you were, you know, if this was a case to make four best teams, they certainly, there's very little that you could watch about that game and, and kind of question them for. Let you know, too, just how the margins matter. Like, man, Alabama is one stop away in the USF game mm-hmm. from having two losses. Mm-hmm. They're one fourth and 19, not conversion away from losing to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas has three or four of those as well, just struggled against some average teams gave up yep. huge leads yep. so yeah all I mean, them all the teams yeah we talked about yeah washington the arizona state game was an unexplainable game like the offense just didn't show up type of game they had one of those other kind of close call like everyone had the close calls uh which is all the more frustrating for a florida state team that's like we didn't but okay um i mean they had close calls but but they won them, right? That was the difference. They, they learned through wins and not losses. Or close right, calls. Yeah. which which we always thought that was the way to do it. Everyone's going to have those close calls, but if you win them, you're fine. That was always our, our kind of motto. Uh, Mountain West Championship game, Boise State balled out. Boise State has been, Finally. ever since I called them out for like, what's going on? They've, they've trended upward. Taylor Green, the quarterback that they went to is a supreme athlete. So they made the full-time quarterback change a um, little Got bit more than the process too. yeah, exactly a little bit more than halfway through the season, I think. And yeah, Taylor Green not a not a pure passer, but a freak yeah freak freak athlete, one of the most athletic people on the field almost any game. Um, I think he's a name that they're talking about transfer portal. If he doesn't stay at, at Boise, he's one of those quarterbacks to just keep an eye on. Super big, um, you know. Big body can run, can throw deep, deep, deep ball thrower. So they they've been trending up. UNLV has kind of been sliding Reminds downward. Me of, uh, Desmond Ritter with his like long strides. And yeah, he's got he's got the size to him for sure. So he's he's a he's a name to keep an eye on whether he stays at Boise or not. Um, but they were playing really well. UNLV came in limping a little bit. I did pick UNLV because they're the home team. But uh, Boise State got nice and comfortable. Didn't seem to matter there. Um, good, so good win for them. Uh, they are still, even in a down year, I feel still look at them as like the standard for the group of five kind of programs that can build sustainable winning, win their conference, beat you know beat teams in bowl games. Like Boise State is still very much uh, a standard for that. So shout out to them. 
SEC, Georgia, Bama, big, big, big game. Uh, before the game, I wrote that what Texas did made I didn't I thought that would made Bama like ineligible. Georgia could get in with the win, but I figured Bama, if even if they won, I at this time was still thinking, yeah, Florida State, if they win, they're gonna get in, and Texas will get that last spot. So that's what I thought before the game. Um they did a nice little tribute. Keith Jackson passed the torch to Vern uh, Lundquist. Um, they were just doing kind of a, a a goodbye to the SEC on CBS. This was the final game uh, on CBS, which definitely uh, some nostalgia there. That was definitely our, our childhood is the 330 SEC game, whether it was you know Keith Jackson or uh, Vern Lundquist. Like that's just always been the game of the week. For the most part, the, those SEC three thirty games almost always is one of the best games that that week. So it's the last time we're getting that. And uh, like I said, ESPN did a great job welcoming their new full time partner by uh, hooking them up with a playoff appearance a year <laughs> early. So just giving them like that early access. Um, but yeah, no, that was. I mean, it was a good game. Georgia, uh, Atlanta, Mercedes Dome, great venue for those for that game. It's about as 50-50 a crowd, even though it's in Georgia. The Bama fans travel. Really good game. The the decider was a you know a turnover was basically the the game that made the difference, uh, or the uh, the thing that made the difference. The game came down to to a turnover, um, three point game at the end of which I was I could have conceived of a world where Georgia stayed in the playoff still because they just weren't going to fall as far and wouldn't be punished as much for a SEC championship loss. Uh, but again, that's not how this went. And they are the sixth best team now. So there are five teams better than them. Uh, before the game, there were none. It's a hell of a swing. But uh, congrats to Bama again. We I, I've kind of been on this all year. With this is Nick, one of Nick Saban's best coaching jobs because they are not overwhelming people with talent. They had to find those wins in the margins. They had to outcoach teams. They had to you know they got better throughout the year. Jalen Monroe gets more comfortable in the offense. Tommy Reese starts to call the game more for his strengths. I think that the team in general defense got better throughout the year. Um, so they peaked at the right time. Like uh, you, I can't, we can have our gripes with how like the playoff broke out, but I can't blame. Yeah. I wouldn't look at Bama and say they are undeserving. I would just say they are slightly less deserving maybe in another world, but you, you definitely have to give them props. They beat the number one team. Their one loss is to the number three team. Um, and they won the, the championship for the sec. So they, they deserve the credit for that regardless of you know what the playoff committee did. Yeah, I mean they beat the number one team. They also I mean they, they let Georgia back, but they they looked like the better team most of the game. Yeah, they did. They they I if it, it, you can make a case they that Alabama is right now, I know Texas had the head to head three months ago, two months ago. You can make the case right now Alabama's the best team in the country. Or at least has been playing the best. One of the teams you least want to play. Correct. That's we all sure. we saw Michigan. We saw like Michigan's reaction to having to play them. I feel like you that would be a lot of teams. I feel like maybe Texas wouldn't have that reaction because they beat them already. Um, but yeah, most teams if they had to play Alabama right now would be 
not too thrilled with it. So that'll be um them versus Michigan. That they're gonna beat the brakes off Michigan. I can't wait for that. Conference USA, Tulane, SMU. This was a big spot for Tulane. Broke my heart. If they won this one, they probably would have gotten that New Year's six spot that ended up going to Liberty. I think the the committee was just if they won their championship, they would have given it to them. SMU pulled the upset. They actually kind of dominated them. Um SMU has been this is another example of a team trending up at the right time. They had been with a backup quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. They had been going this way. Um, they fought their way up. There was a three-way tie like that last day of the season between uh UTSA and Tulane and SMU. Tulane beat UTSA, SMU beat Navy to get their shot, and they got the W. So SMU um so yeah. You know, Good year, really good year for them. Way to win a, a title, uh, especially as they join the ACC now. The weirdest thing, um, we have an ACC SMU. Uh, they could legitimately be up there, like behind Florida State. When you look at the SEC, there's no reason why SMU can't be that next tier of teams um, fighting for an, an ACC championship next year. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm here for it for sure. Yeah, good, really good game. Um, but the win by SMU got Liberty that New Year's six spot. SMU did not get it, which I, I get, it. which I get. They kind of came at the end. Uh, you know, they they were trending up at the end. We can't dismiss some of their losses or what we'd seen before. But they'll be uh they'll be a dangerous team. I don't remember who they're playing in the uh, bowl circuit here, but some belts. The fraudulent, fraudulent App State team. Not that they're fraudulent, but that should be JMU's uh, side of the bracket. They play Troy. Troy stomped them out. Um, Troy's a really good team. Troy's coach, his name is being John Summerall is being mentioned in some of these openings. Um, yep. They've they've been hopefully Tulane gets them. Yeah. Because now Willie Fritz left Tulane, so Tulane's got that opening. Um, they they've been a like good Sun Belt program for quite some time. Um, so this sorry, what you do was redundant. I got to correct you. All the Sun Belt programs are elite. Yeah, okay, what no. you said was redundant. <laughs> All the Sun Belt teams are elite. Every Sun Belt team. They're playing Duke in the bowl game. They're four and a half favorites. I'm gonna probably take Troy, especially no Riley Leonard. But yeah, they I, I got no problem with Troy. I'm actually glad Troy won it because I would not have recommend recognized an App State Sun Belt champ because you know, JMU. I know they beat JMU head to head, but they did not win the conference. If if JMU wasn't banned from playing in their own championship, that would have been JMU and Troy. So I'm glad Troy won. Uh, final game of that window, we got FAMU at Prairie View for the SWAC championship. FAMU has only Head lost to the Rattlers. Only lost once this year. They got the victory. That was actually my color pop game of the week because that orange, their orange is just even nicer orange than the Miami orange, better than Clemson. It's a beautiful orange. Then Prairie View's got the gold and purple. Really, really beautiful colors there. Uh, Coach Willie Simmons for... BAMU, I think this is like his sixth, maybe seventh year, has done an outstanding job with that program. They are playing Howard in the uh, Celebration Bowl on the 16th, uh, two weeks from now. 
Celebration Bowl, they're three and a half point favorites. I think they will get that done. Howard's had a good season or at least a surprising season, but FAMU's been, if not the best, one of the best uh, HBCUs the last three to four seasons now. Um, so shout out to Coach Willie Simmons and that program and the SWAC champs, FAMU Rattlers. Look Shout out to Howard, them. too. Howard's really yeah, struggled nah, as a football program yes, yes. the past, like, 10, 15 years. So the fact yeah. that they're in this bowl is a, is a huge coup for them as well. Big for them. This was They finished 6-5. and five. I'm, I don't know the last time they had a winning season. I'll tell you, when I was in school, so between 2007 and 10, when I played over at Catholic in D.C., there was a, our my sophomore year, we still contend that we were the best school. We went uh, 10 and one um, or two, 10 and two, or yeah, 10 and two. Uh, we contend that we were the best school in DC that year on any level. We would have played Howard. We would have played Georgetown. We would have played American. Uh, I don't American didn't even have a team. Yeah, I don't think American has a football yeah, team. Yeah, they didn't have a team. We would have played it. We, we were, we were willing to take on all challengers that year. And I remember Howard was like, there was we almost did get to scrimmage or like play them and um because i think they won one game that year georgetown had maybe won a game there wasn't a lot of strong football teams in dc and we were good and as a d3 school we were like yeah we'll, we'll take on any of these schools but howard going six play, to five play the math, huh? yeah i mean there's <laughs> honestly there are probably some high schools you know the the d the the the, the good council Dematha, gonzaga like a lot of the guys who were on our team went to some of those schools, and yeah, there there were years where those those scrimmages wouldn't have been as big a blowout on our end as you might think because they had plenty of college players on those teams. Um, but yeah, Howard six and five Gallaudet. celebration bowl, Gallaudet. We did good play program. them. We did play them not that year, but yeah, Gallaudet, good program. That year we felt good though. Two thousand ten Catholic. Catholic Cardinals would have taken on any of the 2010 Washington DC teams. I'll stand on that. But Howard, six and five. Including the Redskins. Include, yeah. Oh, we would have got them out. RG3 hadn't even showed up yet. They were still rolling. Uh, Get Jason Campbell out of here. They were still rolling. I think Mark Brunel might have actually gotten some starts at this time still because he backed up. He was there. Like, oh, gosh. I watched I watched Mark Brunel play. Was it the Den Donovan McNabb years? I think that was was that after that was that was after RG3. He was there. We were in school, I think. He definitely was because he came RG3's after RG3. Rookie year was he after he graduated because his RG3's first start was against the Saints, and I was in New Orleans. Yeah. So I always remember yep. that. Yeah, that was we were that already was, gone. That was so before then because I went to that game. I went to the game where he tore his knee up against the Naha that play uh, right the Ravens game before the postseason. So I was still in DC. That was um yeah. It was bad times. The only the only good team in DC at, when I was in college were the Capitals. Go Ovechkin. Um yeah. so yeah, Howard, Celebration Bowl. They um big big game for them. Big season. Shout out Howard. Last two games, I got no notes. The Big Ten championship game was awful. Um, that was just a punt contest between Michigan and and Iowa. Um Iowa loves punting. Their best players probably because Cooper DeGene didn't play. <laughs> their best player is no joke. Their punter. He's one of the best players in the nation. He has uh, to be. Yeah, I mean, he's, going, he's going pro. He'll be one of the best punters in the league. But like that with no Cooper DeGene, quite literally, their best player is their punter. So they did what they wanted to do, which was punt it really, really well. They did that. 
Um, and then the ACC Louisville game again, really not a great game. Neither one defensively, you wouldn't know. Like uh, the the difference between those two games was Louisville hasn't it has shown that they can be an explosive offense, and Florida State stopped that. Uh, Iowa, we all know, has no propensity of to score points. They actually would prefer not to score. So watching what Michigan did was more so like, why is this game? I know it wasn't, but it's like, why is this game close by mission by Iowa standards when it was 10, nothing at the half or 17, nothing like that's a close game because Iowa's not going to score any points. So the closer you are to zero, you know, the better they're doing. So I, I, I watched that game and I really was rooting for Michigan to fall in the standings despite the win, just because it, was going to get less respect than what Washington did or Texas or Alabama, but that's not how it went. Um, they said, Michigan, you're the best Georgia. You're the sixth best Florida state. Thanks for playing. So that's how the night wrapped up. Um, game of the day was the PAC 12 championship. I would give it to, I, I, I mean, the, the Liberty New Mexico game was fun as hell. Um, but if you like defense, that was probably a tough one to watch. I think Washington, Oregon gave you yeah. a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense, a little bit of just better quality of play. Um, honestly, I would take a a, re, a, a a third matchup of those two teams just because. Yeah, I, those, the, those are really good games. The style of how they play, it's fun. But football, both quarterbacks are elite level receivers making plays. It's just I like watching those two teams play. So I, I would have not had a problem with if the, we somehow got a third round of that. Um but, yeah, that was my game of the day. Performance of the day, give me Caden Salter. I talked about him. Liberty, he was 20 for 25 for 319 yards and two touchdowns in the air, 12 carries for 165 yards and a touchdown. So what is that, like 484, 484 yards of offense, if my math is right, somewhere in that range, and three Ooh. touchdowns. Um, yeah, he had a day. So he had a championship day. And uh, previewing next week. We got so the Kamani Vital as well. Running back for Troy. Yeah. 26 carries, 233 yards. He's like, put Troy on his back. They are a rushing attack nightmare over at Troy. I think they're one of the leading. Uh, I know Liberty is one of the nation's leading rushers. I think Troy is pretty high up there, too. Teams that'll just run run the ball on you. Um, yeah, 26 carries, 230 plus yards, five touchdowns. Yeah, that's beastly. I know they ended up winning. It was like 48 to 20 something, too. They pulled away. Um, mm-hmm. So, shout out to those guys. Championship Saturday Ballers. Previewing next week, it's FCS time. They take center stage this time of year. Um, so, my preview for game of the week give me North, North Dakota versus South Dakota. North Dakota, of course, the home of, of Carson Wentz. And uh, Trey Lance, and they've been the the FCS powerhouse for quite some time. However, South Dakota had the better year this year. They've been infringing on the the Bisons. That's the North Dakota one. South Dakota's the Jackrabbits. They've been infringing on their territory. Uh, South Dakota's trying to make a name for themselves. They're not the North Dakota's not the only Dakota anymore. So that is my game of the week when those two play. It's a big big deal for obviously that region of the country. Uh, we got the sleeper game of the week. Give me Furman at Montana. That's Friday night. 
Uh, Montana is also one of these FCS powerhouses. They've had a really good year. They lost one game so far all year. They're 11 and one. Uh, they are, if I had to pick a team to win it all, I would pick Montana, either Montana or South Dakota state. They are my pick to win the FCS. So keep an eye on that game Friday night, but of course the environment game, army versus Navy, army, army Navy. Navy week. Thank you for your service. Salute the troops week. Beautiful, beautiful backdrop. I think they're playing in Philly again um, at the link halfway between or roughly halfway between New York and Annapolis, the two bases. Um, just love you know, all the cadets, all the, uh, I forget what you call the, the the Navy. I guess maybe the Navy people are cadets, the, the troops, cadets, soldiers, um, sailors, whatever you want to call them. Just everyone in their gear, decked out and... It's the best, the best scene of of the week. One of the best scenes of the year. That's another bucket list too. Like I said, the Bayou Classic is one I mentioned last week. Would love to go to an Army Navy game. Obviously, they're pretty close by. Could could go to one one of these years. But that's the environment. Um, they get center stage to themselves, and then Heisman, and then we'll do bowl. Uh, we'll do bowl previews and stuff next week. We're gonna do our draft. I'm gonna try to get Nate. We'll do a three person bowl draft. Uh, one point for the win, multiple points if they cover spreads or super dogs. We'll get all that sorted. But that's it. That's all I got. And I do have to run a little bit early. So we will shut this down. Uh, but y'all got two episodes this week. So let's get Jaden Daniels for MVP. That's that's the way I want to leave it. Jaden Daniels, I mean, for Heisman, if you don't win, robbery. Robbery. We got more days to complain about this year. Yeah, that'll be like let, let's just let's get a week where we can't complain. I know if he wins, though, other people will complain, but we know the real. So, Jane Daniels for Heisman. The only other person I will accept is Michael Penix, but even that I believe is robbery. So, till next week, y'all. Peace. All right, y'all. Peace.